12. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! Time to win the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship! The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to one. They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four World Championships. Can you believe it? Welcome to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. This is episode 24. I am the Rit, and I have here the official host of Locked On Red Sox, Gabby. I know DC isn't here today because he's dealing with something far more foul than any Yankees fan we could think of, a screaming child. So, Gabby, thank you for coming on our podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm al- I always look forward to talking Red Sox with people, and I appreciate the... Uh, introduction there so i'm i'm doing fantastic how are you uh i'm not doing too bad uh we're both doing better a lot better than dc's doing so that is definitely a plus (laughs) definitely Uh, don't envy him at the moment (laughs) no uh it's it's uh it's an off day for us so you know we can recap a little bit about the colorado rockies series the uh the highs we had and the lot more of the lows we've had uh you know, what was some of your takeaways uh, from the Red Sox uh, Rocky series this past week? Yeah, you know, obviously it's not ideal to lose a series to a team like that. I really felt good after taking two of three from the Yankees that the Rocky series was going to be kind of a good time to get back on the winning track and maybe start to turn things around. Um, you know, the fact that they lost game one in extras. And that whole game was obviously whack to begin with because of all the rain and everything. Um, And just not being able to really score when they needed it. So it's really the timely hitting um, was a problem. Um, And then game two comes around and, you know, they put up a lot of runs and scoring six runs felt good to me because for the Red Sox offense, as of late, they haven't been scoring a lot. So to me, looking at game two, despite the loss, but then obviously game three, both of those games, the offense to me felt like maybe we're starting to get some more offense and maybe players are starting to break out of their slumps. And, you know, obviously last night was a good win and a desperately needed win. Um, But to me, you know, it's, it, it seems like they have pieces 
they just can't put everything together at the same time. And that's been a major problem all season. And I feel like in this series against the Rockies, they still were grounding into a lot of double plays, not playing fundamental baseball, trying to steal bases when they shouldn't. And there was just too much going on. And even I knew in the first inning of game one, when Devers grounded into that terrible double play, I was like, this is how this series is going to go again. Like, we're just, we're, we're still in this same, like, nothing can go right type of phase. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really like Garrett Whitlock. I think he pitched really well last night. I think Paxton looks good in the series. So from a pitching standpoint, things really seem to be coming together a lot more than they were at the beginning of the season from a starting standpoint. And I think that's really promising, but primarily in the series, I'm just looking at there's still so many little things with this team that continue to go wrong. And it's incredibly frustrating and they should have been able to win a series against the Rockies. And the fact that they didn't, is just so beyond irritating to me. Yeah, uh, well, the Rockies, they just came off of that walk-off win in, I think it was San Diego. Yeah. So th- th- they came into Boston on a huge high. Uh, sure. And I think I think Boston, I think the Red Sox took them a little too lightly. You know, they looked at their record and they, they took them uh, very lightly. Uh, starting pitching-wise, Paxton went out there and you couldn't ask no better job than what he did in that game. Nope. Uh, for for us to sit there and lose by one run, yep. like that's horrible. I'd be uh, mad then, if I were Paxton. Oh yeah, he went six innings. You know, his best outing all season, and yep. it's like, man, I gave you six. You couldn't sit there and piece the rest of it together for me. Uh, yep. Jock, he came in with the uh, with what the bases loaded for his debut with two outs. Like, that's something that you're going to remember the rest of your life, kid. Uh, yep. You know, at Fenway Park, debut, bases loaded, you know, no pressure or anything. Uh, <laughs> yep. But uh, in game two, uh, Dever, like, that was the one thing that we, Devers couldn't do at the end of the game. Don't, you can do whatever you want. Fly out, you know, hit a, you know, line drive out. You can't hit into the double play. And what's the one thing Devers ends up doing? Hitting right play. Like, man, it's it's like we are so close, but so far away. Like, starting pitching's great, but now, you know, we can't hit when we're supposed to in those key moments. Uh, Connor Wong behind the plate is vicious for us. You know, he stops so much, you know, but he can only do so much behind the plate. If we have absolutely no one that can hit the ball in these key moments, like there's absolutely nothing that you know we can do going forward. Uh, um, no, I was just gonna say it's it's really irritating because the offense at the beginning of the season was the strong suit. They mm-hmm. were crushing baseballs. They were putting up a bunch of runs and it was really, really hard for opposing starting pitchers to go up against this Red Sox lineup. And then all of a sudden they get into a slump that I thought was just a cold streak. Like, okay, they'll break out of this. And then it just kept going on and going on. And even the games against the Yankees, 
Mm-hmm. They won two of those games, but it's not like they scored a lot of runs. I mean, game three, they were kind of gifted that win um, by that terrible error by the Yankees uh, that helped score a run. So it's it's little things like that where they were they really weren't scoring. And it certainly was not because of the offense that they won those games. They really did win those two games because of the pitching, the starting pitching. And it's great to see that you have guys like Hauk, Bayo, and Whitlock that are really starting to appear like they're blossoming into guys who can be a big piece of the future of the team from a starting pitching standpoint. But then you look at the offense and it's like, why can't anybody hit anymore? What, what is going on here? And Devers obviously hit well in the series against the Yankees, which was kind of to be expected because he does obviously own Garrett Cole and just hits well at Yankee stadium in general. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was, you know, going into the Rocky series, he was what felt like on an upswing again, where it was like, okay, maybe he'll, maybe he's figured it out and maybe he's broken out of his slump. But overall, it's just like, it's like pulling teeth sometimes watching the offense. Cause it's like, you can't, you, every time they need like a big hit from somebody, they get somebody up there who's incapable of doing that. And it's so irritating it's like, I mean, even like in game two against the Rockies and you see Reese McGuire come up with the tying run on base and two outs. And I'm like, this is so not ideal because Reese McGuire to me feels like an automatic out. And so I'm like, this is not the person I want to see at the plate right now. And it's just so irritating that we have to feel that way. But it's, there's just too much of a, a you know, a difference between, the top of the line guys in this lineup that can hit versus the guys at the bottom of the barrel that can't. And there's not really a whole lot of an in-between. And I think there's this lineup is really, really hard to get behind confidently at this point because they're just way too inconsistent. And there's way too many guys that can hit, but not consistently. And that really concerns me. And I, I did like, what I saw from the offense last night, I think we got a better sense last night of this is a lot more of what we've seen from the Red Sox offense, but I'm still not convinced that it's going to continue. I hope it does. And, you know, obviously losing game two sucked, but the offense did, you know, contribute and put up some runs, which was nice to see. So I'm like, maybe this is where they get back to where they were, because I really do think that they could have won some more games than they have. Like, I think that their talent is better than what their record at this current moment shows. And they just, there's so many things that have gone wrong that are just so incredibly irritating. Cause I feel like they can be fixed. Yeah. Uh, last night's game, you know, we had Dever sitting, Masa was sitting yeah. and was it just me or did the bat seem a little more awoke last night with two those two sitting down uh rev snyder was key to that victory you know uh verdugo my man doogie he's you know he sit there and woke up a little bit last night uh you know reyes had had a a nice hit it's like we, we know that devers and masa can hit the ball but they can't hit the ball consistently for a long stretch, it seems. 
Masa was doing really well. You know, he deserved a day off. Uh, I'm a little worried right now that about our outfield because we have too many, at, you know, on our on our you know major league roster. You got Verdugo, Masa, De, uh, Duran. You got Duvall, uh, Kike. You know, I, he's a way better center fielder than he is anything else. And we have Rev Snyder. We have six people that can play in the outfield. And I think that's, that might eventually hurt us because what we need is the two studs in the middle infield. You know, Trevor Story, you know, if he comes back uh, sooner than later, we'll take one of those spots. But I personally, I like Kike on the bench uh, and put Ray as a shortstop. Yeah, you know, going into the season and even in the offseason – the middle infield was an area that I was looking at that I felt the Red Sox needed to address more um, because we saw some weaknesses in the middle infield last year. And I was hoping that they would make some changes this year in terms of just making the middle infield better. And obviously then the story situation with the injury came up and that was just really unfortunate. And obviously I don't think the Red Sox really could have anticipated that that was going to happen. Um, but when, you know, Bloom came out and said the plan is to put Kike at shortstop until stories back, like primarily have Kike play shortstop, that worried me because I just had a feeling because I was like, not not everybody can play shortstop. Like, that's a tough position to play. And I was like, I don't know if Kike is reliable enough in that position because that's not his everyday position. Like, he's not somebody who is constantly putting in reps at that position. So I could see that not going well for the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, obviously uh, all the errors at shortstop that he's made this year is a problem. Um, I think story coming back, obviously would be huge for the team, but um, I really, really like Reyes. I think he's shown that he can be perfectly fine playing at shortstop. Um, and, you know, even at the plate, he contributes too. So I think he's a good piece to have. Arroyo, I haven't been that thrilled with since he's come off the IL. I don't think that he's been very much uh, a key to this team on offense, especially. I think he's kind of been struggling at the plate. Um, so that's another one that I think they'll have to figure out what they want to do with him moving forward. But like you said, there's just so many outfielders on the team right now. So something's going to have to give. I mean, I think there's a possibility that Duran gets sent back down to AAA um, at some point. I love Ref Snyder. I think he definitely makes a positive impact to this team. Um, he's made some really nice catches in the outfield and he can hit. So I, mm -hmm. I really like him. I think he's somebody who um, they definitely should keep around. Yoshida, I'm a huge fan of. I mean, people were complaining about his defense going into the season and were kind of worried about him playing defense, but he's actually been fine overall defensively. And obviously, like you mentioned, he's a good hitter. Um, so, you know, I, I like what I've seen from him so far, but there's definitely some rearranging that they're going to have to do because they kind of have an overload of people at certain positions mm -hmm. and not enough reliable talent at other ones. And it's just a weird problem to have. Yeah. Uh, my big thing 
uh, you said about, you know, may, might send uh, Duran down. Man, with the way he's playing, if you send him down, that's got to be a hit to the confidence. Yep. Like, you know, because there's nothing else he can do. He He's doing what AC is asking of him. Uh, he's did a complete 180 in the outfield. Uh, he, he goes from giving away inside the park home runs to, you know, s- stealing uh, possible extra hits, extra bases. Uh, I do sit there and love the way how he, at the plate, he asked uh, Petey for help. You know, he, he got Pedroia to sit there and help him out a little bit to uh, find out to, to get his uh, at-bats better. Um, Masa, Masa's been uh, doing a lot better now since he opened his stance up a little bit. So it's kind of like, uh, man, I'm not really sure what's what to do, what to, you know, to do there, who to send down, who to who to use for trade uh, bait. I think um, Duvall is a potential uh, for a trade discussion. I think, you know, obviously it was really unfortunate, the timing of when he got injured, because when the season started, obviously those first few games, he was mashing um, Mm -hmm. at the plate and he was the primary offense uh, at first. And so, um, you know, now he's back, he's scuffling a bit, but I think that was to be expected just because he's been away for a little bit. Um, But I do think that's a name that they talk about maybe come trade deadline time. Because like you said, if Duran continues to play the way that he is, it's hard to make an argument to not keep him up in the majors and with the confidence too. like, you want somebody like that to be able to get the reps. If you see him as part of the future of the organization. Um, So if I'm looking at all of those possibilities to me, Duvall might make some sense in terms of looking at just what you could potentially get in return for him because yes, you know, he's a veteran and he has to start the season was hitting. Well, Um, he does need to get his numbers up again, I think in order to be able to be somebody who they can turn around for a decent return. But I do think that's a name that that could make some sense if they want to keep Duran up um, with the way that he's been playing. Yeah. uh, And then last night's Colorado game, Man, it, it, the pitching was perfect. Like, Whitlock went seven. Wink came in and took uh, closed the door in two innings. Like, I would have uh, thought possibly, man, you're, you're going to sit there and go all out because we have the day off. You know, you can empty the bullpen if need be. And it was complete opposite. They didn't need to empty the bullpen. They were, you know, strategic. And, you know, they looked great out there. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was so nice to see that. And Winkowski... Um, you know, he's been a little up and down this year. This this season ha- just hasn't been, you know, the best for him overall. But I really, really liked what I saw from him last night, just kind of locking it down and taking care of business. And especially going into the off day today, that's huge for them too. Because like you said, they didn't have to bleed through a lot of the bullpen. So the bullpen should be pretty well rested going into the weekend series. Um, so the fact that he was able to lock that down, but – Whitlock, I mean, I've been nothing but impressed with him. You know, obviously he was injured too, but he's somebody who I really feel like can eventually be an ace for this team. If he continues to trend upwards in a good direction, he's somebody that in the future you can look at and be like, he could be a really reliable starter for this team. And obviously, you know, the team they don't have an ace right now, and that's an issue. 
Um, so they probably should get one next year. Um, but I do think down the road after some more development and more time, you know, you could look at Whitlock as somebody like that, but I really, really liked his outing last night and I was getting super annoyed because, um, you know, when they went down again last night, I was like, they are going to waste another really, really strong start from a solid pitcher. And I'm not going to be from a starting pitcher and I'm not going to be happy about it because, you know, obviously he gave up those two runs, but the offense up to that point wasn't really doing much at all. So I was Mm -hmm. like, if they can't figure this out and they waste this gem of a start that Whitlock had, then that's just going to be super disappointing. Yeah. uh, Now let's go to the weekend series with the Yankees. Game one, we got Hauk versus Jermon. Yep. Game two, we got Schmidt and Bayo. And game three, we got Severino and Paxton. I was so disappointed because I, I was counting the days. And I'm like, man, we, we might we might get to face Cole again. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's so disappointing. But, Devers is but, probably disappointed. Uh, but we, we missed it by one game. So uh, let's talk about game one. Uh, Hauk and German. German's uh, four and three. Hauk's three and six. You know, they both got roughly the same amount of Ks. Uh, who, who do you think has the advantage going in this game? Yeah, you know, I think they're both really solid pitchers. I think we saw that the last time because they went up against each other in the past weekend series too, and both pitched really well. Um, you know, that, that game was exciting to watch because it was basically a pitcher's duel for the majority of the game. Um, I think, you know, I think Herman has had too many good starts this year to the point where he's kind of due for an off night. Um, I think the Red Sox lineup now that they've seen him already this year um, and they've, you know, seen him in the past. um, I think I could see him struggling. I think, you know, how, because the Yankees lineup is just not fully healthy at the moment either. I think how has a pretty good chance again to pitch well against them. And the thing with how that I like, um, obviously, you know, he's, had issues with with longevity and being able to pitch deep into games and by the time he faces lineups a third time it ends up not being good overall but he's been better with that lately um and you know the thing that I like about him is he is starting to develop more of a variety in his pitches than he had before um and I think it keeps hitters on their toes a little bit more um so I do like how can that match up? I honestly am more concerned about their, the Red Sox ability to hit than I am the pitching matchup. I think um, I feel pretty confident with how throwing, um, but I also think Herman's a good pitcher. So if he, I do think he's due for kind of a bad outing, but it, if it doesn't happen uh, in game one, then they have to figure out a way to score some runs because uh this could be very similar to all three games last weekend if they can't score some runs. But I do like how in the matchup, like I think that um, the Red Sox could win that game. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm i all for it. I think if we can get Jermont, uh out of the game, get to the bullpen early game one, that's going to set the tone for game two and game three where the starting pitchers are going to have to try to uh, – go longer outings for the Yankees. Uh, 
again, we judge the Yankees are going to be without Aaron Judge again. So that's a big plus for us. Uh, but we got to take advantage of the of the situation. We have to from you know here on out, we got to take advantage and take at least two out of three of every series we play against AL East teams because that's how we're going to make up some games in the wild card spot. Yep. We, you know, we can't keep playing 500 ball and man, it's, it's not looking good for us right now. Uh, We're not playing fundamental baseball. It looks like, you know, we're just playing street, you know, pickup ball at, (laughs) at some points of games. So game two, we have, oh, wrong one. Game two, we got Bayo and Schmidt. Uh, Bayo's three and four. He's been looking a lot better now yeah. his last couple outings. So the record there doesn't you know, come anywhere close to what he's actually been producing his last couple outs, outings. Uh, Schmidt's two and six with a 4.70 ERA. Uh, like I said, if we can get, Jermon out of the game early and work on their bullpen in game one, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Schmidt where he's yeah. going to have to pitch more innings than probably what they want him to or what he's capable of. And hopefully that will actually open the door for us to, for them to make mistakes for him to make mistakes to where we can actually uh, get some hits, score some runs. Uh, what, what are you thinking about the pitching matchups? Yeah, I agree with you. I think game one, you know, the Yankees have one of their best pitchers on the mound. I think he'll, you know, be the guy that they expect to go the deepest into the game in that series. Um, So if they, if the Red Sox bats can force him out of the game early. And one thing I will say about the Red Sox offense typically is they are pretty good about making pitchers work in terms of running off the pitch count. Um, So I think that's something that, I that they should be doing more of. Um, And I think if they can do that and it forces the Yankees to drain some bullpen arms early, then there's going to be a lot on Schmidt, who is one of their weakest starters. Um, And so I think from a leash standpoint, he probably doesn't have as long of a leash as Herman does have. So if, you know, like, and, and I think with Bayo, obviously, like you said, he's been better. Like he, if people just look at his stats straight up right now, They might Mm -hmm. think that's not very good, but if you watch the games like we do, um, you know, we know that he has shown a lot of improvement and I think he looks a lot more confident on the mound. Um, And what I've seen from him the last few starts is what we need to see from him. Um, You know, I think one of the things I do worry about with him is the fact that he just pitched to this Yankees lineup relatively recently. And so for somebody like him, I could see that being a problem for him because I think he might be an easier pitcher for the Yankees lineup to figure out than Hauk is. And so I think um, he's somebody who I could see having some struggles with that Um, from a hitting standpoint though, I think the Red Sox should be able to hit Schmidt. I mean, they didn't last weekend, Um, but if the Red Sox can show up with their bats, then I think that would be more likely what would win that game. Cause I do think, um, Bayo might not have as good of an outing this time around than he had last weekend against the Yankees. So I do think they're going to have to bring the offense if they want to win game two, whereas game one, I think I could see being a little bit lower scoring because you have two really strong pitchers on the mound. 
Yeah, uh, Bayo's last three starts uh, goes all the way back to 5:30, May 30th against Cincinnati. <laughs> four innings pitched, uh, one earned run, four strikeouts, two walks. Then Tampa, he went six deep. He had three earned run, one walk, five strikeouts. It, it took the loss both mm-hmm. times because we, we had no bats for him, you know? Yep. And then uh, he got the no decision against the Yankees. Uh, two earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, but he went seven innings. So that's, you know, those are three good good starts. And technically, he should have been 3-0 and in those last three starts. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's for him, it's he is being he is starting to build up that longevity of being able to pitch deeper into games, which is something I think is still overall an issue for Hauk. Um, So that I will say is a plus for him. Um, But I don't feel as confident with him um, being able to pitch as well as he did last time against the Yankees as I do Hauk because the Yankees have had some trouble figuring out Hauk. Um, And I think with Bayo, you know, he's obviously still newer to um, the majors and this level. And so I could see, since it's basically the same Yankees lineup as last weekend, um, mm-hmm. maybe that that being an issue. But if we can get him to go deep into the game, that would be huge for the bullpen um, to be able to rest. And obviously there are some bullpen pieces that I really like, but I don't trust everybody in the bullpen yet right now. Um, so if, if, you know, if Fayo can go deep into the game, that would be good. But I think the Red Sox offense needs to be able to hit somebody like Schmidt, who just hasn't had a great season. And, um, you know, a lot of hitters have been hitting him. So I don't really see why the Red Sox shouldn't be able to do that. If they if they don't hit, like if they don't show up offensively in that game, then, then I could see them losing game two. Yeah. So game three, we got Big Maple on the mound. <laughs> Paxton. Yeah, he's so good. You know, it, and then they, they're they putting out uh, Severino, which it's not the Severino of right. years past. No. Severino used to scare me as a pitcher. Like when he would come on, he would come on the mound. I'd be like, oh, great. We have to face Severino. Like we're not going to hit against him because he used mm-hmm. to be almost unhittable. Uh, yeah. And he was super good, but he's not the same pitcher that we've seen. And I think the Yankees know this, you know, I think he's kind of digressed and I think he's a lot more of a hittable pitcher now. Um, so with the Red Sox, you know, um, that's the type of game where they should be able to take advantage. And with what we've seen from Paxton lately, he's been dominant on the mound. And it's actually been a pleasant surprise for me because I was really not sure how he was going to be coming back from his injury and being gone for so long and not really, you know, seeing live hitters at the major league level for a Mm -hmm. while. So I, I was like, he might not be, you know, the Paxton that everybody's hoping to see, but he's been pretty good. Um, And he's, you know, somebody who I'm looking at as if, if he continues like this for the rest of the season, that would be really, really helpful for the Red Sox rotation. Um, so if, if Paxton has a start, like he had the other night, uh, that would be fun for the Red Sox. Cause I don't think Severino has shown on the mound that he's been able to have the same kind of effective starts as Paxton has had this year. Um, so I think if Paxton shows up 
the way that he did the other night, then the Red Sox should be able to win that game. But again, I do say if, because you never really know, like I'm with Paxton, he's somebody who I'm, I still feel more unsure of, of what we're going to get from him on a daily basis. Um, than I do with somebody like a Hauk um, or even Bayo to an extent, I think with Paxton, it's just, it's just tough, you know, with what he's been through in his career and kind of his age and where he's at, it's hard to really feel like he's going to have that type of start every time. Um, so I think he's going to, you know, be more tested this weekend than he was against the Rockies. And I think um, he's going to have to really, really focus on, um, you know, limiting damage. Like I think something Paxton's really good at is if he has base runners on, he's able to keep his composure and limit that damage. So I think that's something that he's going to have to really, really um, lean into. And if he wants to win that game. Yeah, I know one thing uh, everybody's always complaining about is, you know, Kluber's $10 million contract and how much of a waste it is, but they never look at how much of a, uh, how much of a steal Paxton is right now at 4 million. Oh yeah. When they signed Paxton, it was, it was um like, it was kind of crazy because it's looking like an absolute bargain right now for the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. Like based on what all these other players are getting now, it's crazy that they were able to sign him for that. And especially with how he's been pitching lately, like, especially with the fact that he hasn't been really bad, like Paxton has, mm -hmm. or like um, Kluber has Kluber. mean, like it's, that's, what's really, really awesome for the Red Sox about having Paxton right now. Like he's been, he's been producing some solid starts and they got him for pretty cheap considering, but yeah, it's the, the better that Paxton does, the worse it's making that Kluber contract look. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, so what are you thinking, you know, for game three, uh, an overall series? What, what are you thinking? I'm going to sit there and say, we're, we're going to win two out of three. I agree with that. I think it's going to be like it was at Yankee Stadium and we take two out of three. I think the one I would feel most likely that we lose is that game one um, or maybe game two. Um, I think, you know, if Herman is pitching the way that he's been pitching, that could be a struggle for the Red Sox and they might lose that game. But I, I do think the Red Sox can win two of three again, like they did at Yankee Stadium. They just really have to hit. I mean, that's that to me is still such an issue. Yeah, and uh, let me sit there and check quick. Yeah, and uh, we don't, we can't con uh, count on Reb Snyder because all three Yankees pitchers were faced and are right-handed. So yeah, exactly. So that's that's another thing that's a factor too. Is like it's we, he might he probably won't see a lot of playing time in the series anyway. No. So uh, another thing I want to sit there and talk about is uh, what do you think about seeing Trevor Story at Fenway Park taking uh, taking some BP? Like we're, we're in the we're in the middle of June. We were talking. We didn't even know if he was going to be back this season. You know, maybe All-Star break, August, possibly. But, man, this man's taking BP in the middle of June after his uh, his injury. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it was really, really refreshing to see him there taking some BP and to just see him in really good spirits because that was the other thing, too, was 
I didn't really know how he was actually really feeling, you know, after all of this uh, happened and how unfortunate it was, but he looked like he was in really good spirits and he was happy to be there. And I loved seeing that. And that's absolutely huge for the Red Sox. Cause I know, you know, he was saying his plan is to first come back and DH for a bit and then, um, you know, get back to playing shortstop after that. But if he can come back quicker than they thought that he would, that would be awesome. I do think though, if they're looking like they're not going to be in contention, then make sure that he's really, really fully healthy before rushing him back. Because, you know, obviously with, with his injury history, like you don't want to bring him back earlier than you need to and have it cause other problems down the road, like later on in this contract. Um, So I do think, you know, it's, it's fantastic that he's back. Um, But if they know they're not going to be in contention at the trade deadline, when it gets towards that point where he's looking at coming back, they should make sure that he's really, really ready to come back. Um, And I love the urgency from him and his desire to come back. I think that's been a huge thing. His attitude about this whole thing has been awesome. Um, And I'm really looking forward to having him come back because I'm hoping that offensively it can give the team a bit of a spark. And obviously we really, really need the defense. Like we need him. uh, We need him over there uh, playing defense because this team defensively has been so painful to watch in the infield. Yeah. uh, I loved ever since, you know, Justin Turner got injured. uh, We took the, we took the ball to to the face and he was back. (laughs) <laughs> Two weeks later, you know, in the batter's box, and uh, I went on the podcast. I was like, man, I'm like, I wish everybody was like JT. You know, yeah. he, he got up, he threw some dirt on it, and went right back out there. Because if that was um, JD Martinez, he would have been out three months. Oh yeah, like yeah. he would have. He would. I, I loved JD when he was here, but he he had a lingering uh, problem of milk and injuries for too long. No, it's you know. so true. It's so true. And I love JT, by the way. I'm so glad you brought him up because I I don't think people talk about enough or appreciate enough what he actually does here for this team. Like with the bat, he's fantastic. Like he's such a disciplined hitter and he makes pitchers work. He runs up pitch counts. Like he'll take a walk when needed. And like, he knows the types of pitches that he should be swinging at. And like, there's so many situations where the Red Sox have runners on base. And I think in my head, it would be nice to have Justin Turner up at this moment in time, because he's one of the few in the lineup right now that have shown me that I can actually trust to come in big with runners in scoring position. And I mean, he did it again last night and he'll do it. And like, he, we know that he can do it. And even in the field, he'll make veteran plays where like, he'll make decisions that are like, I don't think Casas would know to do that at first base. Mm-hmm. And so having him here when they signed him, you know, I was like, obviously he's on the older side and like, we know that. And like, he's a temporary placeholder for the team, but I was like having somebody like that with his veteran leadership in the clubhouse, I think that's so important for the team. And I think, um, you know, just the way that he carries himself, he's just a really respectable guy. It seems like, and he just brings good vibes. And I really, really like his approach at the plate because he's, he's patient and he he's fine with settling for walks and he doesn't get too excited at the plate where he'll swing at the first pitch a lot. Um, You know, like he really, really is just a disciplined hitter and just a disciplined player all around. And I think the Red Sox don't have a lot of that right now. So having somebody like him 
on the team who really can set that tone and set that example for the younger players on the team that they're trying to build around, I think is huge and super important. Yeah. Uh, one of my biggest things when uh, we let JD, you know, go and test free agency and we brought uh, JT in, yeah. I was like, man, I love, cause now we can switch and plug and play the DH position. Yep. Because I, I hated it. Seeing yeah. JD in the outfield. Oh yeah, I know that was just weird to watch too. Because I was yeah. like, JD's not here to be an outfielder. Oh man, there was so many times. Uh, I have a friend that's a season ticket holder uh, down in uh, Baltimore, and there's so many times that uh, his seats are first row, right out in uh, left field. Oh wow! And I'm like, man. I get to see this Ben Attendee out here, you know, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> yeah. I went to three different games to sit in those seats. All three games, I had to look at JD out there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and That's his tough log. <laughs> I was like, really? I'm like, this is this horrible. This, this big guy who's bulky. He's not diving for anything, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it was just so disappointing. So when when we let him go and we had Justin Turner, I'm like, man, we can give Devers a day off and and yep. JT can play third. Casas can come in the DH. JT can go to first. You know that DH position opens up to where you can plug and play your people as needed. Say someone's bat's hot, like the uh, ball gets hot again. Oh well, Duran uh, is doing good. Verdugo's doing good. Moss is doing good. We can put the ball in the DH now. Where in the years past we were stuck with JD. So, and, and I'm not get. Don't get me wrong. JD his first couple of years coming to Boston, he was that, great. Yeah, you know? that 2018 year he was fantastic. Oh yeah, but he he was he started to regress every year. So, and I'm glad that we realized, hey. You did great for us. Thanks for what you did, but we got to move on. And no, it's, you know, it's I, so true. It's so true. Yeah, Justin so, Turner's. He's been. I can't say enough about him. I, I love the guy. I think he's awesome, and I think you know he was well respected in LA, which is always mm -hmm. a good sign too. When you have a player who is coming somewhere else and the fans are speaking really highly of him. Cause I know I interacted with a lot of people on Twitter that are Dodgers fans that were saying, you know, we're really going to miss him. Like he's a great guy, like enjoy having him there. And I think that says a lot about the player, you know? And um, I think he, he enjoys being in Boston so far. He seems like he fits in pretty well with just the clubhouse vibe here. And he's just really good. I think to have around those younger guys on the team mm -hmm. because they can really start to kind of, learn from him if you know if they want to be successful at this level if, if, if casas would just learn to close mouth open ear i think justin turner could make him you know a lot better defensively and maybe even more offensively because you know casas and jt they, they they're both very patient at, at bats you know yeah. they both can you know can draw out a pitcher 10 11 12 pitches you know at an a bat it's, it's just his, you know, now he's got to work on the footwork, where he has to be, you know, how quick to get there. Uh, and I seen on Twitter that, you know, they're working with Casas a little bit uh, to get yeah. the jump on on the first base. And it's like, 
I, I always thought if you're in triple A, you should be working on this stuff then. Not yeah. when you're up in the major league level. But yeah, like, exactly. So yeah, it's he there were for the longest time, you know, a lot of people were saying, why don't they just send Casas back down to AAA to work on these fundamentals? And that's a question I just can't answer. I have no idea. You know, it's 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 a mystery to me, uh, too, because like you said, they should be working on that stuff when he's in AAA. Hopefully, you know, they can kind of work on some things with him and he can figure it out and um, be a reliable first baseman for this team going forward. Cause obviously Turner's a temporary solution. Like they're not going to mm-hmm. keep him long-term or anything like that. He's just definitely been very helpful this year, but they do need Casas to be able to perform at first base. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be happy. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if like at next season, uh, Bobby D you know, he's able to play the same position as Justin Turner can. Yeah, but, it's he, just but he, he, but he just can't sit there and get it going up in the. If he could perform at major league level, what he can do in Triple A, man, I, I would love having him come off the bench, you know, and, and rotate in there. But it, yeah. they've given him how many opportunities? So many, and and it gets just gets so frustrating, you know, and uh, I, I love the guy. You know what I mean. Uh, last year, he, you know, he signed my jersey over there for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, this year, w- w- when uh, I was there at Scranton uh, for the Woo Sox, I asked for a couple moments of his time, and he says, no, I'm busy. You know, so I'm like, it's a little frustrating, but I, I got to respect the guy. Yeah, so. it's Bobby D, it's because he is, yeah, he's playing well at AAA, and when he goes back to AAA, it's usually like that. Like he'll perform well and he'll show some signs of, Oh, I can do this. But then you bring him up to the majors and it's almost like he forgets everything that he was doing down there or like, Mm -hmm. it's just too big of a situation for him and the pressure he can't handle. And it's, it's tough to rely on somebody like that longer term. That's why I really want to try to, just have them hone in on what Casas is good at and be able to really help grow him. Because I think from a consistency standpoint, he would be more capable of longer term being a reliable option. But like you said, I think Bobby D he seems like a great kid and and hopefully he can figure it out. But, you know, I, I do wonder if, if Boston at the major league level isn't for him and maybe a different market is better for him, but they have given him a lot of chances. And every time he comes up to the majors, he just can't seem to figure it out. And that's something that you just can't have long-term. Man. I kind of personally wish uh, that there were some rumors uh, in spring training that, you know, I can't remember what pitcher, but Miami was, was willing to uh, give up potentially one of their pitchers, but they wanted Casas. Oh, like, that's right. Like, I remember that. Yeah. I'm I'm like, dude, why can't Bobby D's doing good? I, maybe a smaller market team would be better, less pressure on him. That's you know what, what I, I mean? think. Like, not everybody can play in Boston. It's just it's it's a big market, and it's you know it's one of the most historic franchises in baseball, and not everybody can handle something like that. So maybe like Miami would have been a good place for somebody like him. Yeah. So, Gabby, we're here at uh, the Pesky Podcast. We're on our, our, our favorite segment. We're going to play a little game called Fair or Foul. Okay. So, 
This sounds fun. Our, our, our first question is going to be, or first statement, Heim Bloom is on the hot seat. I'm going to say foul for right now at this specific moment. And here's why I think because the organization feels like they're confident in him being able to revamp the farm system and bring in good prospects that can eventually contribute at the major league level. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that effect with the likes of Bayo Whitlock, um, you know, Duran players like that. And then obviously, you know, um, like, signing that big extension um, to Devers. Obviously they want to try to like commit to building a team long-term around him. Um, so I think at this specific moment, if they continue to see effects of that with some of the um, prospects that he's brought in being able to perform well, I think he has a little bit longer of a leash. However, I do think if we go into next season and he hasn't really made a lot of moves to make the team better based on their finish this year, then I think I really will feel like he's on the hot seat because if they, you know, obviously the AL East is a really good division this year and it's tough, but like they really need to make severe changes to be able to stay with where the rest of the division is at if they want to be able to compete with them. And I think if they are unable to finish with their division this year or, and they're just unable to um, move from last place in the division and kind of get themselves into a more competitive spot. And he in the off season doesn't really do a lot to address the current team. Then I think, yes, he will be on the hot seat. And I think, um, you know, I'd say, I think his coaching staff is more on the hot seat than him at this moment. Ah, okay. Uh, I will agree with you at the moment. I'm going to say it's foul. Uh, but if we finish last place again, yeah. that'll be th three out of four years that we finish last place. And this is not what the, what uh, the Boston market wants. The Boston yep. fans want, uh, you know, you look at the division. Now we're in the AL East. We can't sit there and count on no more. The Orioles finish in last place. The Orioles locked up that farm system, built it from the ground up, and now they are just, they're on fire. You know, they're doing yeah. really, really well. Uh, Tampa, it doesn't matter. Like, you go to Tampa and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're an all-star. It yeah, seems. That's so weird. <laughs> uh, I don't understand what they're doing over there, but they make everybody all of a sudden super good. It, it, it's got to be someone else because it wasn't Heim Bloom apparently. Yeah, he was down well, I, there. I don't, I don't understand what's going on with Tampa, but it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, and then you know Toronto, Toronto's got a, got a stacked young lineup. Like in a couple years, they're gonna be, they're gonna have a lot of decisions to make in that uh, on that team. You know, oh, yeah. who's gonna, who's gonna go, who's gonna get the extensions, uh, who's gonna get those big contracts. Because they have so much young talent on that team, uh, Biggio, uh, Vlad, uh, you know, uh, Bichette. Like you have a lot of people on that team, and they're all going to want to get paid some some way or another. So yeah, yep. Tough decisions yeah. to make over there, but that 
Toronto really should be performing better than they are at the moment because they have a stacked roster and just a stacked lineup overall in general. So they really, to me, talent-wise, should be winning the division right now. So they are underperforming to me. Um, but, you know, yeah, you look at a team like that and it's like, okay, they have young talent, but they've also surrounded the young talent with established major league players that can mm-hmm. compete and it gives them a good balance of a roster that, you know, should be able to go deep into the postseason. And so I think the Red Sox need to have more of that balance than they have right now. Yeah. And, uh, well, we're not even going to mention the Yankees, so. Yeah, no. Uh, but, They're not worth talking about. <laughs> so, well, we both agree, uh, as of right now, this moment, it's a foul statement. Correct. So, uh, next one will be, the Red Sox are not a 500 team. As in, like, they're less than that? They're, they're, they're either they're better or they're worse. You know, I think whichever. I think I think that statement's fair. I I don't think they will finish exactly like I think exactly at five hundred. If they continue to play how they're playing, they will finish under five hundred. Um, because they just can't seem to put all the pieces together. I think if they had all the pieces put together, they could easily be well over five hundred. But unfortunately, there just seems to be too many things right now, and you know they're not beating teams that they should be able to beat the Rockies Cardinals, um, you know, teams the Reds. Yeah. Teams like that, that they should be able to be winning series against. And they're not, that's just, that's just unacceptable. And that to me is what worries me about them being able to finish 500. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to sit there and say it's a fair statement that they are not a 500 team. Uh, the talent's there. We, you know, we just got to be able to catch a break. I'm going to say they are a above 500 team. And I mean, they should be able to be. The, on pay, like, we, we Which can't, is so frustrating. <laughs> we can't get no breaks going our way. Like, nope. our starting pitchers go out, game in, game out, and put up some great numbers. Okay, if a starting pitcher doesn't get to go, say he goes four innings, five innings, then the then you know the bullpen steps up, but just the batters are cold. It's like, dude, we can't catch anything. You know, we got Kike throwing uh, baseballs from shortstop at umpires. Like, <laughs> it's so like, crazy because it's like, yeah, at the beginning of the season, the starting pitching was a mess. And then it's like as soon as the starting pitching starts to figure it out, we just forget how to hit. Like it's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the one thing I looked at our bullpen at the beginning of the season, I was like, okay, that's our strong point. Yeah. And then a, a week and a half into the season, I'm like, wait, what? Okay, we, it's all blown up now. Yeah, like that's just everything is just not what we thought. I I think you know. If they are able to put everything together, they should be able to be a wild card team. Exactly. So, next one. The all-star voting should go off of stats, not by fans voting. I think that's definitely a fair statement. I think there's been so many situations where we've seen players on the ballot and, you know, they end up getting voted in and people are like, why is that player in the all-star game? And I mean, even players who 
are injured for a lot of that season, but are just well known and well liked by the public because of the career mm-hmm. that they've had end up on there when you could have other players who deserve it more that season because they're having a better season and they've played in more games. And I think with the fan voting, it does become political in a way. And it, it just gets to the point where it's like, yeah, obviously we're all fans. We're all watching the games and we all know who's good and who's not good. But I do think, and, and obviously I think it's a great way to get fans involved but I think true baseball fans would watch the all-star game regardless of who's in it. Um, and so I think I think that's a completely fair statement because I've always said I think they need to just come up with a better system for deciding who's an all-star because I feel like there's just been too many situations where players have just gotten robbed that should have been in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I always loved uh, how they, the NBA had their all-stars. You know, you have yeah. the skills competition – yeah. Uh, you have the freshmen's uh, and, the, and the sophomores game. Like, yeah. I don't understand why MLB doesn't sit there and give it a week long. Like, get get the players a week break. You know, do a skills competition. You know, uh, th- be out in center field and, and see if you can throw into like an old school kid thing. Throw it into a trash can at home plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like fun stuff. Uh, th- you know, do that. Uh, ha- have a do they have a futures game? Um, no, no, baseball doesn't. Oh, uh, I would love to have that. You know, yeah. uh, have an all ha- have an all rookies ga- uh, game. You know, ha- have uh, a-, a futures game where you take your you know your top uh, fifty prospects in Major League Baseball and have them come up and showcase their talent, so you get to see a glimpse. Like, I'm not running for commissioner or anything, but. You know, uh, that there would definitely bring a little more uh, pizzazz and a little more eyes uh, on just a home. Okay, a home run derby. This isn't the 90s anymore. We know chicks dig the long ball. Tweet at Manfred and let him know. Yeah, it's it's like home run derby, all-star game. I do like the home run derby. Like, I think the home run derby is actually fun to watch. But I agree with you. I think it they should be doing more. Like with NBA, how they stretch it out over more days and just more events like it's cool for people because there's more of a variety in like what's actually happening whereas like with baseball you just have the home run derby and then the game yeah so uh but yeah i'm i'm saying that's also uh a fair statement there's no reason and and i was looking earlier that massa endeavors are are where they're at massa was eighth and all-star voting yeah, with his stats. Which is crazy. He, he's either second, uh, I think he's either first, second, or third in almost every hitting category in rookies. Yeah, see, this is where the flaws, where you start to see them come into play with the, with the current system and how they do it. And, like, even I saw at one point, like, the entire infield was, like, Blue Jays players. And I was like, oh, I wonder who's been voting. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, there you go, but you have a whole country voting for you know the Blue Jays, where yeah. you know instead of just a city. Exactly, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, it's. Let, I and, think they need to re rework the way they do that. Yes, and and Connor Wong, just his on his defense alone, if he doesn't like like get a any part of All Star team like a backup, we we all know that Rushman's probably is going to get the starting job. Which as it should. Yeah, you know, but but Wong, his defensive uh, skills that he's shown all year, has to give him something in there. Verdugo's another one. 
you know, that I, I think Verdugo deserves to be in Seattle. Yeah. No, for sure. Even as an alternate, like you said, like Verdugo, maybe as just like an alternate who who comes off the bench, like I think he mm-hmm. should at least be able to be at the game. So, but yeah, that, that's that's definitely a fair statement. Like they've they've got to work something. I would love for them to go, you know, longer. Uh, you know, instead of just two days, maybe do a three four days of event. You know what I mean? Get more yeah. fans out there and and get more eyes on, on the sport. Uh, even hockey. Yeah does a skills competition, you know? Oh, hockey's is awesome. I, I like NHL's all-star, maybe the best. They, yeah. they do a really good job with it. And I agree with you. I think if baseball is trying to raise interest from people, I think it'd be in their best interest to look into something like that. Uh, definitely. And uh, last but not least, the Red Sox will be sellers at the trade deadline. See, that one's tough, Um, but I feel like I have to say that that's a fair statement, too, because I think going into this season, and they, they've never said this because I don't think they've really made it clear to people what the, what the exact direction of the organization is, and I don't really think that that's fair to people, but I think going into this, this season, they didn't really see it as a contention year to begin with. I think they almost saw it as more of a rebuilding year and focusing on trying to get some reps for some of those younger players, which we are seeing and just allowing them to be able to grow. And, um, you know, if a month from now they're still in last place in their division, I do, I, I definitely think they will be. But even if they're not, like if they're at the point where they might be able to squeak into a wild card spot, but they don't feel like they can make a deep run, which if they play like they are now, they definitely won't. Um, then I still think that that they um, there's a chance they will be. I think Bloom really, really likes being able to acquire prospects from other teams um, and. You know, I think there are some players on this team that he might look at and be like, this guy could be a movable piece at the deadline. Um, We already talked about it earlier on, um, but I am leaning more towards the fact that I feel like they see themselves as a team that should be sellers at the deadline to make themselves better set up for their future, as opposed to trying to make a push this year when there are other teams that are just clearly in a better spot than them right now. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm agreeing. I'm gonna say it's a fair statement. Uh, I I think they're gonna try to move Paxton at the trade yeah. deadline because uh, he he he'll be a great rental. Uh, for, uh, uh, he'll be a great fourth uh, fourth or fifth starter to, on some of these rotations. With how he's uh, pitching now, like a contending yeah. team might actually be interested in a rental of James Paxton for the rest of this season to make a playoff push. Yeah, look at the Orioles. The Orioles could sit there and easily take Paxton, yeah. and he would he would help out their rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to agree with you earlier. I think Duvall will be a, a trade option piece. Uh, one one piece that I'm people aren't a fan of, but I think you could trade Kike. Uh, you know, I think I'd be yeah, okay with that. Yeah, yeah, he, he's the face. You know that uh, is all over the you know boston sports world uh but man if a team's looking for a great center fielder we can sit there and easily give him up i I would rather give him up than uh than duran easily oh easily yeah because duran is somebody who you can continue to develop in your system and he's shown promise that like he's kind of getting to where he needs to be and long term he's somebody who could be 
a serious asset to the Red Sox. Whereas Kike, you know, it's only, he was only on a one year deal this year. Like when they, when they extended him for this year to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they don't see Kike as a long-term solution either. And I think for other teams, like what could be appealing about Kike is just his versatility and the fact that he is technically considered a utility player. So they can Mm -hmm. kind of throw him into different positions as needed if people are injured or something like that. So I do think there are teams who would bite and be interested in potentially having a conversation about Kike. Yeah, uh, I think Jaron Duran will be easily. Uh, I, I don't want to call him a bridge, but he, he's going. He's going to be our center fielder for a while until Sedane Raffaella is yeah. able to make his debut. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for you know maybe two more years until we finally get our middle infield, uh, you know, tightened up uh, with Marcella Meyer, Nick York. Yeah. You know, that there would be a great infield. Uh, I love watching them play together in portland now uh yeah. it's you know they're they're great they they're getting their chemistry together and i think that's what the red sox organization wanted the sea dogs are the best team in the organization right now they they have some really really good talent on that team right now and it's super cool to think about because i'm always like these are the guys that are going to be coming up and be the future of this team and like you said i think that's what the organization is going for i think they see these guys who are in the system and playing well and like progressing upward that I really don't think that they expected to really compete this year. But I think once those guys are up and are playing at the major league level, that I think is when they really might see themselves as a genuine contending team. And they might start to kind of get some more pieces to surround those guys with, but that I think, yeah, that's still like a year or two away. Um, But I think, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a matter of the organization like towards the trade deadline being like, it's probably in our best interest to continue to acquire some prospects that we can kind of develop through our system, because I don't think they're going to want to go all out to trade for some pieces this year. That can be an impact right now when, if they feel like they might just barely squeak into the wild card and not make a deep run. That's what I could see the organization thinking about it as. Yeah, uh, we need to do anything we can but what we did last year. Last year confused me so much. We were buyers and sellers. so annoying. Like, they just – I was like, what is this team doing? Like, yeah, they were selling people, but then, like, it's just like they go and get Kyle Schwarber, and it's like, are we trying to compete for a playoff spot this year, or what are we doing? Yeah, uh, I – don't get me wrong. I love that when we traded uh, Vazzy – and, you know, we got Valdez and we got Abreu. Like, I was like, okay, uh, you know, those two are some – are two great pieces for, for a rental. Both in that because the Astros won the World Series with mm-hmm. him catching. So, it's like – it was kind of a win-win for both teams because the Astros did fill a need that they needed. But I also know Astros fans were saying, like, uh, you, got, you got some good prospects in this deal. Yeah. So, that is our fair or foul segment – uh, now this is also a fair thing to say, Gabby. It was great having you on. Uh, thanks for sitting there and, and giving us some so much of your time. Uh, this is this is your floor. Plug away any and all things that you do. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. I always love talking socks with other people. So I was super excited when you asked me. Um, but yeah, I'm available on all social media platforms. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabby Hurlbut 10 on Instagram at Gabby underscore Hurlbut 10. And I'm also on Facebook at Gabby Elizabeth. And I'm always open to chat about the Red Sox um, on those platforms. If you want to give me a follow, um, I also have my personal podcast that I do, which is Boston Balling, that has its own um, that has its own platforms as well at Boston Balling on Twitter at Boston underscore Balling underscore podcast on Instagram, and there's also a Boston Balling Facebook page where I drop um, episodes on that, and then you can also subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. And then I am um, making my debut with the Lockdown Red Sox podcast this upcoming week, um, which is super exciting. That also has its own Twitter page at LO underscore Red Sox, and it's available on all podcast platforms as well and YouTube. Um, so you can catch me there to talk all things Red Sox on that show as well. So I'm, uh, I'm a lot of places, but I'm always down to talk Red Sox and baseball in general because it's the best sport in the world. So definitely look forward to more conversation. Uh, I am so glad that we are not on as many platforms as you are, because that <laughs> is a lot to remember. It is. Every, every time. For a second, I was like, I hope I don't mess any of this up. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, this was a great episode. Uh, Gabby, once again, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, DC, hope all, all is well with you. Send out love and uh, and prayers for you because man, you you're gonna need it. Uh, guys, check us out on on Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You know the Pesky Podcast. It is the Pesky Podcast. So guys, thanks for uh, tuning in and listening to us. See you guys next time on the Pesky Podcast.